0: Welcome to Moms Going Boldly, a Star Trek podcast.
1: Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on Secured Channel.
0: Moms Going Boldly is two moms who love Star Trek and who happen to have children on the autism spectrum. Join me, Elizabeth, and my co host Vicki as each week we talk about Star Trek episodes, both new and old. Are you ready for the adventure? Come join us on Moms Going Boldly. And welcome back to Moms Going Boldly, where today we're going to talk about Strange New Worlds, Season 2, Episode 6, Lost in Translation. How are you doing today, Vicky?
1: I'm doing fine. How are you?
0: I'm doing well. Did you enjoy this episode?
1: I did like this episode. It wasn't as tragic as I thought it was going to be, but it did bring to mind at least three other Star Trek episodes, one from the original series, one from TNG, and one from Voyager.
0: I am looking forward to hearing your thoughts on that. And I actually thought it did follow in the sort of uh, path that you predicted, which was it was going to be a grimmer darker episode after the light and fluffy one charades with spock losing all his vulcan dna and you were right
1: but in my head i thought it was going to be tragic like well coincidentally it was funny that this was a little bit about him. Because I thought we were going to like lose somebody like we lost Hammer. Yes. That's what I thought. And then coincidentally, he was in this episode.
0: Yeah. So let me go ahead and read the um, synopsis of this episode from the Memory Alpha fandom wiki. Uhura seems to be the only one who can hear a strange sound. When the noise triggers terrifying hallucinations, she enlists an unlikely assistant to help her track down the source. So... We have our crew having come up to a nebula, and they're trying to help a dilithium mining station, essentially, get up and running because it will open up new expanses of territory for Starfleet to explore because they'll have access to dilithium farther away. But the station's been plagued with problems, and so they're there to help out. And not too long after they arrive, Laura starts hearing this weird noise. Sounds an awful lot like... um, an episode of Voyager. The noise reminded me of an episode of Voyager where they have these people making funny noises at them and then shooting them.
1: The one in Voyager that it reminded me of, but in my mind I'm thinking I'm forgetting another Voyager one, was The Haunting of Deck 12.
0: Okay, yeah, because there was a life form in the nebula, so that is a good one. The one I was thinking of was one where... I think it's like, I think it's the swarm. They're trying to cross this region of space with all these little tiny, bitty, bitty little gyps. Oh, okay, yep. That make a funny noise that they can't translate until much later. Yeah, Reminded me a little bit
1: of that one. But I think in the haunting of Deck 12, Janeway sort of figures out that they're trying to communicate as well yeah, yeah but then the original series episode it reminded me of was and I don't know episode names but it was the one where Spock had a mind meld with a rock in oh, yeah, the mining like, uh, episode devil in the dark. yeah because they were killing their I think they were killing their babies or their eggs or yeah. something but the yes. the one it reminded me of in TNG was ugly bags of mostly water <laughs>
0: So that's good. We have some. We have a consistency of themes here in these episodes, where our crew encounters unusual life forms that they don't recognize as life forms right away, and they have to kind of go through the motions of seeing how the life forms are trying to communicate before they recognize that the life forms. And in this case, it's Uhura hearing this strange sound, and then having a region of her brain activated, which sends her hallucinations. And the hallucinations themselves are the message. Right. So as. You said, she starts hallucinating Hemmer, Mm -hmm. who has died. Hemmer as a corpse. So it made it a little creepy because the creatures in the nebula are trying to communicate, you are killing us.
1: right? And And so they're
0: finding in her mind the image of death that resonates most with her. And we do have something slightly tragic in that one of the station workers is also receiving these messages And is losing, lost his mind because of it, because it, wherever the region of the brain that's being activated is also, you know, impacting judgment and all that good prefrontal cortex stuff.
1: Right. And I believe he was communications as well. Oh, was he? I believe he was communications on the fairies. So we have both
0: communications officers being targeted by these people to communicate with, which makes sense. And then he ends up dying, which is sad. So there is... You know, it's not one of our main people that we've grown fond of, but it is nonetheless, you know, one one member of Starfleet who dies. Now, this is what I was thinking. The unlikely assistant that she recruits to help track her down is James Kirk. Right. Why was he there again? I think I forgot why he was there.
1: Because Pike is a fleet captain temporarily, and his ship was part of the fleet that he was Uh, in charge of. Ah, okay, so the
0: Farragut was there. Yes. Okay, all right. And I got to tell you, uh, for the longest time in this episode, I thought Kirk might have been a hallucination as well.
1: Oh, okay.
0: It wasn't until, I think, until Pike started talking to him. Okay. Because it seemed like all the interactions that he was having with others could have been just the others talking and him not actually there. Oh, okay. Until Pike actually started talking to him independently. I was like, oh, okay, he's there. But I thought that would have been kind of cool that somehow the hallucinations tapped in not only to the scary images that she had, including like the death of her family and a shuttle crash. She went back to that a couple of times mm-hmm. as they try to communicate, you're killing our family, you're killing, you know, creatures we care about. Then I thought, oh, they may have tapped into a, a person that she somehow implicitly trusts, even though she doesn't really know him and laying the foundation for the relationship that would come when he became captain of the enterprise so it's an interesting episode mostly it's like focused on uhura and her trying to figure things out and they're just assuming that it's unique to her and she's been exposed to was it deuterium or dilithium
1: i don't think it was dilithium
0: so it must have been deuterium yeah. so they were like it's like radiation exposure it's dilithium exposure and that's what's wrong with you and so they're treating it as if it's unique to her a medical condition you need to rest, you're working too hard. It's stress, it's stress and deuterium. And not until they find this communications officer on the space station actively engaging in sabotage, do so they realize that he's having some similar things going wrong. So then they start realizing there's something else going on. But in the meantime, they have to go through a manhunt to find him on the Enterprise, in the dark. Yes. <laughs> so that was you know, that was interesting. And then they had a little bit of character development in and around. They had Una and Pelia yeah interacting with each other, which I thought was fun. Though I was trying to figure out, you know, are they being impacted too? Is there some kind of impact that we don't see as directly? You know, we hear the noise for Uhura, but maybe the other people were getting impacted and didn't realize it. But no, it was just Unum is made nervous by Pelia.
1: I see what you're saying. And I think maybe I would have thought that way, except that she had already approached Ohura and said, why don't you talk to me? So I kind of figured this was all about Hammer and his death
0: yeah and there was that too and I thought that was that was really great that they were sort of unpeeling that piece that there was still grief from losing Hammer and that Pelia had to kind of maneuver it maneuver around that exactly right I also thought the character development between James Kirk and his brother Sam was really good
1: I did but I thought the argument was kind of out of the clear blue sky
0: yeah it was definitely like okay we have to assume that this is historical sibling crap right you know, stuff
1: it just turned on a dime all of a sudden everything was fine and then all of a sudden they hated each other. Not hated yeah. each other, but you know what I mean. Um well, And yeah. I thought that kind of happened so fast. It felt awkward. Yeah. We're going to pause right here for a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, Doug Gramley here from Yeah,
0: That Can't Be Good. Doug here from the 13th Warehouse. If you are a fan of Eureka, please join Kim, Vicky, Skip, and myself over at Yeah, That Can't Be Good for an episode-by-episode episode podcast of all things Eureka at rewatch.com if you're a fan of Warehouse 13, please join Kim and Vicki over at the 13th Warehouse at the13thwarehouse.com. You can also listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. Visit us on Twitter at Eureka Warehouse.
1: Attention, Warehouse fans. Kim and Vicki continue on with the Warehouse theme on the 13th Warehouse with Friday the 13th, the 1988 television series. Follow Mickey, Ryan, and Jack as they hunt for cursed antiques sold by Uncle Lewis to unsuspecting and sometimes suspecting patrons of his antique shop. So stick with us on the 13th Warehouse for Friday the 13th of series. You can listen to the 13th Warehouse on our website, the13thwarehouse.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back.
0: And that's pretty much the bulk of the story, I think. Um, There was also some character development with Nurse Chapel and Spock. You know, Spock is trying to uh, formalize the relationship. And she's like, yeah, maybe not. (laughs) (laughs) And I loved what she said about doing the Schrodinger's cat idea. Um, And I'm reading this now from the Memory Alpha website, that their relationship, existing or not, if somebody actually sees what's inside the box the cat might disappear and it's just it was just so fascinating to use that analogy for her like sort of i'm not sure i want to commit to this yet and i think that's it uhura finally figures out what's going on and she tells the captain they have to destroy the refinery because they're killing the life forms in the nebula and though the captain does which i think is was amazing all the work that they had put into getting that refinery going and in a second they evacuated it and blew it up
1: and blew it up and can they even prove it now
0: they had to trust one of their officers
1: i mean i'm sure i'm not saying it wasn't it wasn't happening but how do they prove that's a starfleet now
0: and and i guess do they have to i think is
1: I think question. They might have to if they're blowing up there. But uh, if the
0: but if the captain says there were life forms there and our presence was injuring them, is that good enough for Starfleet? I think it. I think your question raises some really interesting ideas about how much power captains have and how much trust Starfleet has in them.
1: I mean, I understand how they trust their crew, but he took her word for it and blew up this. Station. I mean, I like that he trusts his crew that much, but I just found that amazing.
0: Yeah, I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And he did say that that if there was blowback, it was on him. So he wasn't like going to let her take, you know, take the fall for it. There was going to be no putting Uhura under the bus.
1: Right, which means he's anticipating a little blowback that somebody's going to ask him for an explanation. Yeah, that was kind of amazing. And yeah. I did like how they, you know, brought Hemmer's death to closure because that episode yes. ended and we never heard anything else about it because these are one-off episodes. And so I did like that there was closure. We saw their reactions. We saw that they do have reactions to him dying, which we assume they did, but we didn't see it. So I did like that, yeah.
0: I did too. And it was done in such a way that once you know, the other this other species that they just barely recognized assured her that they felt now felt safe and, you know, they understood that they had taken action to stop hurting them. They projected a hallucination of Hammer, which then had that dual effect of showing her healing from his death yeah. at the same time as her stopping this death and destruction that they were accidentally causing. And I like I like that a lot. It was very it was very well done. So other thoughts about this episode?
1: You know, I like the end where they had O'Hara and Kirk and Spock sitting together. I like them bringing back how Sam obviously must irritate Spock at all times because he picked up his glass again. <laughs> <laughs> so that must be an ongoing thing. I mean, we saw it last week, but was it last week? Yeah. And then there was a little interaction with LaHan and Kirk.
0: Yes, yes. Which suggests that he's still, he's interested in her. Yes. Because he like reminded her of, you know, you still owe me a drink when we get to Starbase. Right. And I wish she had said something along the lines of, I haven't forgotten, or something like that, to show she was still interested as well. But maybe she was still feeling overwhelmed by Mm. the loss of the other Kirk who she had developed feelings for. So who knows. But I agree with you. I thought the end scene where Spock and Kirk and Uhura are together. And -hmm. they actually focused on that very, very slowly and clearly, Uhura introduces Spock to Kirk. And they shake hands and you get this feeling of, you know, boom, this great friendship has been born. And they do that on purpose with with a long camera shot on the handshake. And then the three of them sitting down together. And I really, I liked that. I thought, okay, this is a wonderful way to, I don't know, celebrate these relationships that we are so invested in from the original series. Right. And I'm kind of wondering, well, I mean, we're not going to see it until, if at all, later. You know, this relationship between Jim Kirk and Sam Kirk we know that he's gonna lose Sam in the not too far distant future. Right. You know, what, 15 years? And so I kind of find myself hoping they get their sibling rivalry issues sorted out so that when Sam's life ends, you know, Kirk's not left without having closure for those issues. And of course, you know, that's not ever discussed in in the original series, but it makes sense if you've got, you know, a Starfleet dad who was ambitious and he has ambitions for his son and his sons take different roads. There's going to be some sibling conflict until they, they work it out. So I agree with you. It seemed a little sort of out. It came out of the blue, but the source of it didn't seem unrealistic.
1: Right. When it was explained, yeah. it didn't. But it was kind of abrupt. The way that happened, yeah. they were all of a sudden in an argument. And I was like, okay, where did that come from? Exactly. Um, yeah. Exactly. And, you know, speaking of that, just to clarify something from last week when um, we were talking about Nurse Chapel and her unrequited love for <laughs> Spock. I'm sure that when they wrote the original series episodes that it was unrequited. But sometimes if it's vague enough, yes. you could look at things later and whatever what they're doing now could totally fit.
0: Yes, I totally agree. And, you know, it makes sense. That perhaps it was still unrequited by the time Kirk becomes captain of the Enterprise, because maybe Spock breaks it off, like you have already theorized. Spock goes through something that makes him, you know, Im- more fully embrace him, his Vulcan side, and he breaks off the relationship with Chapel, which then leaves her in a position where the relationship she wanted is still unrequited. So that makes sense. Yeah. What did you think of the idea that um, Una got a C from Palea and that's why she's mad at Pelia? <laughs>
1: I thought that was funny, yeah.
0: And I thought what Paleo did was really, really gentle and kind. Because she said, I think every time you see me, you are sad because you've lost Hammer. And I remind you of that loss. If you want to think it's the C, you go right ahead. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was very gentle to say, you know, we both know that you're grieving. And when you see me, I remind you of your grief. But if you want to go ahead and just be mad at me because I gave you a C, I am okay with that. And (laughs) I thought that was just gentle and wise and thoughtful. So anything else that you want to talk about for this episode?
1: No, I liked it. I don't know why I don't have a lot to say about it this week, but I really did like it. I didn't really see any negatives at all.
0: I agree. Uh, What rating would you give this on a scale of 1 to 10?
1: I'm going to go with an 8.5. 8.5.
0: Okay. All right. I'm going to give it a 7.5 only because I like things being a little bit more upbeat and, you know, having these aliens being killed and then losing the communications officer on the station was a little grim. But That's just personal preference. Right. As far as the quality of the episode, I thought it was a good episode.
1: Like I said, I don't watch the episodes ahead of where we're recording and I try not to look at things, but sometimes you can't miss a headline, even though I don't yeah. read it. Is there going to be a musical episode, or is that a joke? I'm hoping it's a joke.
0: I have no idea. (laughs) I have no idea. I have not heard anything about that, but I'm like you. I don't really pay that much attention to articles and...
1: Well, I will after the fact, but yeah, before I watch it, I don't. But I saw that, and I was like, this has to be a joke. I can't.
0: Well, I guess we'll have to cross that musical bridge when we get to it.
1: I'm hoping it's a joke. I was hoping that you heard.
0: I haven't heard. Do you want me to do some research? Or should Uh, we be surprised? Let's um, be
1: surprised. (laughs) You know, I've seen musical episodes. And Once More with Feeling was probably the only one I ever saw that pulled it off.
0: I don't know what that is. That's Buffy
1: the Vampire Slayer.
0: Oh, okay. Well, I have to tell you, the musical finale for Psych was also well done. Oh, was it? Yeah. You know the the that little television series Psych. Yeah. I think it was their last episode, their final episode was a musical and it was really fun and enjoyable
1: oh good because you know i've seen some pretty bad ones too i'm nervous <laughs>
0: <laughs> and maybe it is a joke so we'll find out but you know what we'll cross that bridge when we get to it
1: we have to imagine the girl who plays Ahura should be able to sing because Ahura is supposed to be able to sing
0: yes beyond Antares, that's what we got to hear her sing right in the original series
1: but i don't know about any of the other ones There's... and
0: we did have that episode last season which was like a fantasy everybody was all dressed up in like fantasy clothes remember that one
1: right but they didn't sing
0: but they didn't sing so they're willing to have some fun is my point i I know
1: but i'm very nervous
0: (laughs) (laughs) all right well why don't we uh prepare ourselves so we can move on to the next one next week and see if there's music in that one all right, any other thoughts no. about Lost in Translation?
1: Nope, that's it.
0: All right, then we invite our listeners to join us next time as we talk about Strange New Worlds, season two, episode seven, Those Old Scientists.
1: Okay, we'll see you next week.
0: All right, thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs> Bye.
1: Bye-bye.
0: You can continue exploring the universe with Moms Going Boldly by following us on Facebook at facebook.com momsgoingboldly boldly and on Twitter at Moms Going Boldly. The music used on Moms Going Boldly is Without Limits by Ross Bugden Music. On Twitter, at Ross Bugden. Licensed under a Creative Commons attribution license, creativecommons.org.
1: You can listen to Moms Going Boldly on Podbean, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Player FM. And we're now also available on Apple Podcasts. Transfer complete.